We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jesse, are you ready for rapid fire? We got a great interview in. We got a great whiteboard in. I think the only thing is to finish the show with a great rapid fire. So because of the extended holiday weekend, both the AP and coaches polls came out today on the same day. Usually they stagger them a little bit. Notre Dame is number 10 in the AP, number 11 in the coaches poll. Any disagreement with where Notre Dame is this week? No, uh, I don't really see a, a disagreement. And for anyone that follows me on Twitter, kind of went on a rant this morning, and I've said it before. I don't think there should be rankings until about a month of the season is over, but I understand why rankings are a thing. Um, Notre Dame has played, you know, kind of two inferior opponents, opponents that I don't think are, you know, uh, super challenging. Um, but some teams lost in front of them kind of handily. And I think naturally, if you take care of your business, um, you're going to, you know, move your way up. So as long as Notre Dame is winning, it, it really doesn't matter because the ranking will take care of itself at the end of the day as the season progresses. Two top, ten, two top 10 teams lost. That's a little bit of a tongue twister that I wasn't expecting it to be. And they fell, LSU and Clemson, and we'll touch on them here in a minute. But as a result, Notre Dame has a couple of wins. They move up and they'll continue to move up as long as they keep taking care of business and uh, on the back to the subject of whether or not it was a test br irish boy brirish boy he says <laughs> that they haven't been quote-unquote tested however what i really take away from these two games is lack of confusion no turnovers due right. to getting plays or personnel on the field no nope. that's what's promising to me yeah completely agree and the only turnover they've committed so far was the hit on devin ford i mean when you're knocked almost unconscious and you have a concussion and the bar the ball is jarred from you and they should have you know reviewed it for for targeting and they didn't to me you can kind of forgive that but the offense has not turned the ball over so yeah no I mean, pre-snap penalties yeah no no stupid stuff and that's what's been really impressive so far like for early in the season for as much newness as there is for Notre Dame there hasn't been a lot of confusion there's 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 been they've been a really sharp really on task on point looking football team so and facilitate says top uh the 10 rank is generous possibly but i mean it's 10 and 11 and they have they have not just beaten these teams again they beat them by a combined 98 to 6 so we're gonna find out a lot 
more about this team really over the course of the next three weeks. So I think I mean, um, we've already seen where one team's top 10 ranking, two teams really top 10 rankings weren't what they maybe should be. Huh? Yeah. And I think going back to what, you know, BR Irish boy says a thing that has tested them or to me is, you know, when Devin Ford got hit and they turned the ball over, you know, those are things that are practiced, sudden changes. And what did Notre Dame do? They didn't mope. They didn't get, you know, in their feelings. The defense stepped up, got the stop, and then the special teams blocked a, a field goal. To me, that's more important to how you respond to adversity or sudden changes or things that maybe should have went your way but didn't go your way, uh, essentially. Vince and I talked about that yesterday, that that was really kind of the wake-up call. It was a pretty lethargic crowd up to that point inside the stadium each team had had the ball it what at least once i guess uh yeah once each team had had the ball once tennessee state's kicking off to notre dame for what would have been notre dame's second possession and then after that after they showed the the replays up there on the screen and the fans got to see the hit that was not even reviewed that really woke the crowd up and it fired up the defense and they come up with the big stop in that situation and and really, obviously, Tennessee State only threatened one other time the entire game. So it was it was a little bit of a wake-up call, and they they passed the test, I think. Now, as we look at the rest of this uh, top 25, not a lot of really surprises. Georgia, Michigan, 1-2 in both polls. Florida State up to number four in the AP. They moved past Ohio State after that win over LSU. And Ohio State, was they, they struggled a little bit to get past Indiana and then Colorado and Duke both join the polls this week after their upsets of TCU and Clemson. TCU falls out of the top 25. Clemson falls all the way from top 10 in both polls to number 21 in the coaches poll, number 25 in the AP. LSU falls nine spots to number 14 in both polls. Do you think Clemson should still be ranked after that egg that they laid last night against Duke? Um, John Christophic kind of John, beat you to the punch on right this on one. point. Yeah, I couldn't um, question that. <laughs> you know, here's the thing about Clemson, and again, going back to the root of this, it, from where they were ranked in the beginning of the season, I do believe that they still deserve to be ranked because it's just one opponent, it's the first game of the year, but that still doesn't take away from the blaring deficiencies that Clemson showed. They don't have Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence at quarterback anymore. They don't have an elite defensive lineman and linebackers anymore. And so, you know, if you listen to Paul Feinbaum, he's saying the Clemson dynasty is, is, is on the decline. It's, it's, it's pretty much over. I don't think I'd go so far to say that. I mean, their next two opponents are, are vastly easy I think Clemson's based on Clemson's schedule at best, they're going to be at nine and three at worst, maybe eight and four somewhere in there. That's going to get you a top 25 ranking at the end of the year. So I don't think it's, I think it's too early to jump ship and say that Clemson doesn't deserve uh, to have a ranking. Now, if they continue this trend um, and their offense looks horrible and they keep turning the ball over, um, et cetera, then yeah, I, I do believe that they don't deserve to be ranked, but I mean, Clemson fumbled the ball on Duke's one yard line and seven yard line last night. You know, those you get a minimum of six points out of that maximum 14 points out of that. It's a much different game. I think they clean up a lot of things. 
Um, but yeah, it's just too early for me to say that Clemson's not a top 25 team. I do think they deserve to probably be ranked. I mean, they are largely ranked based on what they did last year. It's like three, three out of their last four. They have lost now at this point when, like when you look at Clemson and LSU going back to last year, they've lost more games than they've won. You know, like when you, how much carryover it actually applies. I don't know, but like Clemson does still have a lot of four and five star talent. So I think against the ACC schedule, they're going to be okay, but they've got Florida state coming up here in a couple of weeks. And of course they've got Notre Dame later on in the season. They've got some things to figure out here in the next couple of weeks before Florida state. And they'll have a lot to figure out before Notre Dame comes around. I, I, I just, What's watching them like we talk about what Notre Dame has done so well, and it there hasn't been a lot of mishaps and chaos and stuff like that. Clemson basically beat itself last night in that game, you know, like they actually move the ball fairly well against Duke, and Duke is supposed to be the defensive oriented team, but Clemson beat themselves. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're looking for last-minute tickets to this weekend's big matchup between Notre Dame and NC State, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, 
guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Last night. So, like, if you look, you know, Notre Dame is obviously going to play both Duke and Clemson this season. After seeing them both last night, which game do you feel most differently about right now? I would say, and we're talking about, you know, LSU, Florida State, and, and Clemson and Duke here. Um, the game I would feel more differently about is the LSU and Florida State no, game. I, no, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. We're Between Duke and Clemson, which game do you feel most differently about? Um, I feel most As different- a Notre Dame opponent. As a Notre Dame opponent. I feel most differently about Duke because at the beginning of the season, I was afraid that Clemson would actually be, you know, Notre Dame's biggest challenge considering it was on the road. Um, and what we've seen of Clemson in the past, I don't see Clemson as big of a threat. Um, and at the beginning of the season, when we went through the schedule, uh, both of us marked down Duke as a, you know, a potential kind of trap game. And I think that is only intensified, um, or heightened after what we saw Duke do, or after what we saw Duke uh, do to Clemson yesterday evening. So I would say I feel more scared of Duke and less scared of Clemson at this point. I know that's easy to say just based off of one game, but I already thought Duke was going to be some sort of trap game. And I think that it's, again, only uh, more of a trap game now after seeing what they did to Clemson. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are talking about Riley Leonard, and he was okay last night. He still didn't complete a high, you know, very high percentage of his passes in that game. He had the nice run for the touchdown, but again, like so much of what Clemson did was self-inflicted. I still think Duke is going to be a challenge, but but again, like look at how everything unraveled in the second half. Clemson was moving the ball against that defense. Clemson basically, you know, like they botched a handoff that turned into a fumble. That wasn't necessarily Duke forcing the fumble. It was just a bad exchange, it looked like, with with Clemson down there in the red zone. And, like, even the interception, it was right off the uh, Clemson receiver's hands and it pops up into the air. It's like tip drill out there for Duke. So, you know, like, complete kudos to Mike Elko because that is still a, a major milestone win for Duke to be able to knock off Clemson like that. I feel a little differently about Clemson because Clemson, I think, is in the situation that they are in because of the stubbornness of Dabo Sweeney with the with the fact that he doesn't want to embrace the transfer portal. He's still got a pretty high percentage of four and five star recruits on that team. But you know, it it's it's looking like everybody pretty you know pretty much missed on Klubnik. Like what he, he doesn't look like quarterback of the future for Clemson. But if Dabo Sweeney even halfway embraces the transfer portal and he adds a couple of key pieces, I think that that's a lot different looking Clemson team. And he goes out and he gets himself an offensive coordinator. He gets Lincoln Riley's brother Garrett to to be his offensive coordinator. But they're still doing all the same stuff that they were doing. They're, you know that it's it's kind of like it sounds like the situation with you know when Jared Parker was the the offensive coordinator at West Virginia. He's just calling plays in somebody else's offense. It's not like he got to implement any of his own stuff. So I feel differently, I think, more differently about Clemson. I still think Duke is going to be a good challenge, especially since Notre Dame has to go out there to Duke. But I'm not like my my level of of concern as of right now. Now that game is still a couple of months away, but as of right now, level of, of concern for me with Duke 
is less than what it was a couple of weeks ago. Fill in the blank. It means blank that Sam Hartman is 1-2 in his career against North Carolina State, including an 0-2 record at NC State. It means nothing uh, that Sam Hartman is 1-2 against NC State and 0-2 at NC State, just simply because it's it's not just Sam Hartman. It's the roster around him um, and, and the deficiencies for you know a lack of offensive line, running game, whatever it might be. Um, isn't isn't the isn't for Sam Hartman to shoulder and so you know being in a, a different team with a better you know skill set of uh, players around him an offensive line and the threat of a really good running game I, I think that Sam Hartman is going to have no issues playing against North Carolina State this year it's just not an apples to apples comparison um, for me but unfortunately football being the sport it is the quarterback gets a lot of the the blame and, and, and the losses so um, I think he's going to very easily and successfully reverse that trend um, and get his first win at North Carolina State this season. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Hartman's numbers, he's played NC State three times. Again, twice at NC State, lost both. He's completed 55% of his passes, six touchdowns, six career interceptions against the Wolfpack. And the two losses at NC State sacked a total of 10 times and – as we all know, Wake Forest did not have near the offensive line that Sam Hartman has here at Notre Dame. He didn't have near the running game to lean on. He didn't have really overall the kind of receivers that he's got here at Notre Dame. The weapons around him, and he's playing in a different system as well. Like you can look and say, well, Tony Gibson's been there since since 2019, and it's been his defense that Hartman has faced. But again, it's been a completely different system and a completely different group of guys around him. And like Marcus Freeman was asked about it yesterday. Like, well, do you talk to Sam Hartman about his experience against NC State just in terms of the lack of production that he's had? And, and Freeman was like, it hasn't come up at all <laughs> because it, as you started with, Jess, it doesn't matter now because there's so many different variables around Hartman and it begins and ends with the fact that He's got a completely different team around him, and he's working in a different offensive system than what he had at Wake Forest. So I agree. I, I don't think it means anything going in, other than the fact that he's seen this defense a few times, and just as we've seen, the experience that Sam Hartman has had in his previous five years has meant a lot to what he's been able to do in year six. So far. Yeah, and, you know, essentially, too, it's like Sam Hartman could be frustrated with the fact that, you know, Maybe he sees how to beat the defense, but his players or, you know, play calling aren't necessarily getting to where they're supposed to to beat those. And so that's not really something in Sam Hartman's um, control. And I think facilitate inform brings up an, a, a kind of, you know, a good rebuttal is, you know, the lack of success could, could be a thing and those things could get in your head. I think that's the only thing that potentially could could be, you know, a factor for Sam Hartman. But I think Sam Hartman is such a competitor um, and, and such, you know, ha so much preparation goes into his game and his skill set. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily in his head, and I think it's more so the reverse. I think he might have, you know, maybe not a vendetta, but you know, a, a personal grudge match of, you know, knowing what he's done against North Carolina State and wanting to kind of reverse that trend a little bit. Tyler, thank you for the super chat. Didn't uh, slip this in. He says, "Would you rather be an LSU or Clemson fan today?" 
this kind of goes along with the question we had uh, coming up here in a little bit, but I would say I'd, I, I would rather be an LSU fan um, and I'll keep it short and simple on this one. I think that Jaden Daniels is far more dynamic than Klubnik, and that would give me a lot of things to be um, excited about. And I think that really what's what screwed LSU was the play calling, you know, uh, and that that falls on the shoulder of the head coach um, and, and not knowing, you know, situation, when to take points and and when to, you know, get off the field, et cetera. So I think what really outdid LSU was was their coaching and play calling. I agree. And, you know, look, some of the national guys are, are talking about Notre Dame fans and, and how Notre Dame is jumping on Brian Kelly. Look, Notre Dame fans don't like Brian Kelly. I, I don't know what there is to to be misunderstood about that. <laughs> That's why Notre Dame fans are jumping on Brian Kelly. It's not a jealousy thing. It is, it, it, you know, it's They've that seen has the nothing trend. to do with it. Yeah. Like, like a lot of people here, in this town around the, like, don't like Brian Kelly and the way he left did nothing to help that. Like that's, that's the long and the short of it. Uh, as to the question itself, who would you rather be? I, I think I'd still rather probably be an LSU fan. I, I think that there is, you know, look, just, just what you said, they've still got a good quarterback. If Kelly doesn't end up ruining him with year two regression, like we've seen before, but I think that, I think that this season is going to mean a lot more for Clemson's future than it is for LSU's future. Again, like when you look at the way Dabo does things, unless he is willing to be a little bit more introspective and say, am I going to change some things about how I go about my business here going forward? I think that this <laughs> yeah, Dabo's gonna running an a... offense like Lawrence is still quarterback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Of these teams that won this weekend, Colorado, Florida State, and Duke, who are you most confident in and who are you least confident in going forward this season? Um, This is a tough question because I, I'm confident in a lot of these teams and for, for a multitude of different reasons. I think Florida State played a good game. Um, I think they had the advantage of playing at home in a week one game, right? Like, Week one games with two top 10 opponents are would, is going to look drastically different than if two top 10 opponents play the last game of the season. So I don't take a ton away from it, especially considering Florida State had the home field advantage. Um, I think that they did better than what I expected, but I, I just still feel like LSU shot themselves in the foot a lot during that game. And that, that ultimately had a, a big sway um, on the game. So again, if I think if they played this game later in the season, I think it'd be much closer. And I think LSU would probably beat them if they had to play again. So, you know, I'm not sold on Florida state yet. Um, Colorado, I, I think that they ultimately, um, won the weekend because no one expected, you know, Deion Sanders to go out there and company to beat TCU, except everyone in that locker room. Right. And do you believe Jesse? Do you believe <laughs> was TCU um, a JV defense? Um, did they have a lot Probably. of roster turnover? Yes. Both of those things are true, but Deion Sanders matched the same amount of wins that Colorado had last year in the first week of the season. I think against a the lot, playoff team <laughs> against a playoff team that was ranked. I think there's a lot to be said about that. The, whether you like Dion, whether, you know, you believe in them, there's a lot to be said about that in general. And I think Duke, beat up on a team that again is is going through turbulence and they don't know how to navigate that turbulence quite yet they don't have a star quarterback 
They don't have stud defensive linemen. And when you throw in turnovers in that game, it's going to get very sloppy. So did Duke play well? Yeah, but Clemson also played horrible and didn't want to adjust. So ultimately, I think I feel the best about Colorado coming out of this weekend. So much so that I took Colorado's over on five and a half wins at plus 150 as a result of their victory this weekend. Nice. I like it. I tell you what, Duke should be 4-0 when they play Notre Dame September 30th, the week after Notre Dame plays Ohio State. That And that shapes up because of where it falls on the schedule. That does kind of shape it up to make it a, quite a bit more interesting from a Notre Dame standpoint. But they also still have Florida State. They have NC State and North Carolina. But, you know, again, there can be some pitfalls. There can be some ups and downs for Duke along the way. They had all off season to prepare for Clemson and they really didn't get, see any a Clemson team go off script again like when you look at Clemson and, and their offense hey maybe it wasn't DJ Uyangalale's fault there were still some issues with that offense again even though they moved the ball last night but there were some other issues last night Colorado they're definitely the most intriguing, interesting team coming out of this first weekend. they have the least weekend. amount of expectations. Right. And, the, you know, you've got a quarterback with over 500 yards, and you've got, you know, like I saw, I think Brent earlier was saying, wouldn't it be nice to have Dylan Edwards right now as part of that backfield? Well, sure, especially when you see him go for four touchdowns. But, yeah, but I mean, Dylan Edwards only gets that opportunity because of the roster turnover at Colorado. Yes, he's getting opportunities because they swiped him away from Notre Dame. And yeah, because of just what you said, there, there was a lot of roster turnover out there. That's why a lot of these guys are getting some opportunities. It, it, but Colorado is still going to play. I mean, like they've got Oregon and USC both this month. I mean, like we're going to, we're probably going to see some, some more Colorado in primetime coming up here within the next few weeks just just based on this yeah, but but colorado is going to go into that oregon and usc stretch three and oh they're beating nebraska and colorado state right right but then they have ucla they have oregon state utah my point is colorado is not going to have an easy schedule the rest of the way so like we'll, we'll you know we'll find out they're they're the most intriguing anyway but in terms of confidence I don't know. I think I am. I think I am least confident in them just because of the schedule that they have to play compared to the other two. I think that they're probably going to score some points and they'll be entertaining because Dion is there. But I am most confident in Florida State because that program looks like it has come together, and they also have a veteran quarterback. They've got Clemson coming up not, again. You know, just in a couple of weeks, and they've got Duke. And then really after that, Miami and Florida are their two toughest games. So I am most confident in Florida State when, when I look at who they're playing and what they have and you know just the way the whole thing looks. I think that there are going to be some ups and downs still for, for Colorado and Duke, not as many potentially for Florida State because of the way their schedule shapes up. And again, Mike Norvell, where he is in terms of program building and what he's got on the roster, it looks a lot different now than it looked just a couple of years ago. I kind of want to get a segue question uh, and get your opinion on, on some things. Because there's okay. to me, there's a lot of, of chatter still about Colorado. You know, they're not going to be able to sustain this. They're going to get tired, da-da-da-da-da. They got a lot of young guys. They got a lot of hungry guys. And I think ultimately what it comes down to is Dion has them mentally prepared by what he's saying to them or instilling in them. So I guess my question would be, 
do you are you on board or are you against with how Deion Sanders is handling everyone's perspective of Colorado football and, and what came from the TCU or from them beating you know TCU? Do you do you like the way that he speaks to to in, in the post game press conference? Do you like the way that he speaks on the field to reporters at halftime? I guess what is your overall thoughts on that, John? Uh... John says the Colorado defense can't stop anybody. Yeah, but we've seen Oklahoma do that for years. It's going to be my point. Colorado is going to fit in just nicely when they join the, the the Big 12 next year. That's my point. So Vince and I, uh, we, we talked a little about Dion last night. And since you brought it up, the way he talked in the post game, we might as well just go ahead and play it again right now. Oh, What's up, boys? You believe now? You, you, hold on, hold on, hold on, oh no. Do you believe in that? Huh? Oh no, no, no. I read through that bull junk you wrote. I, I read through that. I sifted through all that. Yeah. Oh no, come on. Do you believe? You don't believe. You just answered it. You don't believe. Next question. I think it's a little bit much. He is entertaining. <laughs> he is entertaining. I'll give him that. And for the media around Colorado, obviously, you know, he uh, he has rabbit ears. And for, for the media who cover the Colorado Buffaloes, you obviously have to be a believer to get a question answered at a press conference. It looks like when, <laughs> when you're when you're working, you know, with with Deion Sanders. So, you know, again, like it's entertaining. I'm glad that I am out here from 30,000 feet away and we can kind of watch the Dion show. I think it would be a little bit much to be there on a daily basis personally. I mean, his team is bought in obviously. Okay. So that's, you know, that's, that's, I guess that's the most important thing. I think I just don't need all, you know, I think what he was talking to Ed Werder there. And I think the thing that, that uh, set Dion off about Ed Werder is Ed Werder said something to the effect on Twitter over the summer after or at some point after Dion was hired that he's a celebrity coach. I have never thought that because look at what he was willing to go to Jackson state at, at you know, at a, at obviously at a small FCS HBCU school. He was willing to go to Jackson state because he wasn't getting other opportunities. He was willing somewhat similar to Jim Harbaugh. When he started off at San Diego, he went off the beaten path, was willing to prove himself that he could be a head coach, build a program, put it together Dion is working within the parameters of the system. Anybody else could have done exactly what Dion did last year as a head coach and turned the roster over the way he did. He caught a lot of backlash for it. And I think because of the fact all anybody wanted to fixate on was the numbers. You had all this turnover on your roster, 51 transfers coming in, I think it was, and all these freshmen, 20-plus freshmen coming in. Anyone who was a new head coach could have done exactly what Dion did he chose to do it his way and at least for one game anyway he's proved that it's successful now can he do it over the long term that's that's tbd but at least for now he's doing it but it's it's a little bit much for my liking you know with with the uh with all the noise like can you can he just answer the because like what came after that response like they completely shut ed werder down and i don't think they ever let ed werder ask a question because Ed apparently wasn't a believer enough for Dion to get, you know, to be able to, to, to get a question at the press count. It's only a kick. 
a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Football season is upon us, which means my schedule is ramping up even more than normal. And it makes it a lot harder to spend as much time cooking and preparing meals as I want and need. And eating healthy can be especially challenging. That's why I'm looking forward to getting ramped up with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, which can help me fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to my door. With Factor, you can skip the extra trip to the grocery store and save a lot of time on food prep. But you don't have to miss out on the flavor. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready to go in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. And then we can get back to work. And you can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals. You can level up and get Gourmet Plus options and treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. There are also lunch-to-go options and Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. And you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like the delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and more. You can also try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. And they have a great deal for Irish Breakdown listeners. Head to factor.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com forward slash irish50 to get 50% off. Try it and enjoy. I agree with a lot of stuff you said. And I think what makes a lot of people uncomfortable is Dion is doing it the Dion way like he always has. And that looks different. You know, Dion does things kind of authentically, one of one. You don't see a lot of people do the same things that Dion does. So I think first and foremost, that is uh, a big factor. And then I think secondly, like you were saying, I think it is a bit too much. And especially for the people on the inside, it's got to be definitely too much because the people on the outside like us being able to talk about it and we're borderline, "Ah, is it too much? Is it not too much? I think, yeah, uh, on the inside, it's too much. But here's what I'll say, and this will kind of be my closing statement is, if he's got his players buying in and developing a mentality that if no one is going to believe in us and we believe in us and we go out and execute and play how we know, you know, we can play and it results in victories. I think it's okay because again, he's getting his players to play at their best and he's getting their players to buy into what they're selling and you know, when the game is over, if that's too much, sure, you can turn it off. You don't have to listen to the press conference or whatever. But I look more so on the field and what he's been able to do in the first game uh, for, again, a team that won one game last year. They've already matched their victories this season. And it's all because he, he built a philosophy for these players to buy into and they play hard for him. And so at the end of the day, that's all I, I really have to say is it's too much probably for, you know, the the, the media and everyone on the outside, but when it comes down to X's and O's and playing and getting his players to play the best that they can, I think he's tremendous at that. He obviously has, but 
you know, again, like it's it's one thing to get the players to believe in 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 what they're doing. And, you know, look, they scored a lot of points out there. Right. Like they they did a lot of things really well. Again, like for as much roster turnover as they had, they didn't look like a team <laughs> that just was sort of thrown right. together in one offseason. That that's not what they looked to look like. But there's a difference between getting your team to believe and requiring that the people who are covering your team believe. Right. right. And that's right. where I mean, that the was line just out. a lot of nonsense. Right. A hundred percent. So what about Travis Hunter, their two-way guy, who, of course, was the number one guy in the nation a few years ago. He had committed to Florida State. Dion got him to go to Jackson State. Now he has followed him to Colorado as well. He played both ways for Colorado, 100 snaps as a, def- as a receiver and a defensive back. Michael commented here uh, a little bit ago that they'll run out of gas by mid-October. The kid who played 100-plus snaps won't get to October playing that much so what do you think he did what do you think of that I think what uh Travis Hunter did by playing 100 snaps combined at wide receiver and defensive back against TCU is absolutely insane and I think it's a credit to his discipline his skill and his conditioning not everyone can do that and I think it needs to be applauded because you know at the end of the day Colorado has to do what it has to do to put the best players on the field at all times. And they've determined that having someone out there like Hunter is going to give them the best chance. And I think the best comparison I can give is he is the Shohei Otani of college football at the moment. And you can't knock a guy for wanting to have so much drive and competitiveness to go out there and play both ways. And it would be one thing, if, you know, it looked like he was taking a break or taking a blow or, you know, his wide receiver game lacked or his defensive back game lacked, the man played like 50 snaps and then jumped a goal line route, all right? He's not tired. He's got the juice to be out there playing both ways. Um, and, and to me, it's just tremendous. I love it, and I hope he can continue to do it the entire season. 11 catches for 119 yards, and then he had an interception – as as a defensive back as well and oh by the way it was 105 degrees there in fort worth where they were playing that game and he played 100 snaps that is that is what's insane to me like the 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 heat and the fact that he's able to go out there and play 100 snaps they had to have been hooking him up to an iv at halftime at special teams the the rare special teams break he got too yeah exactly and i'm sitting here and i am looking at the current Heisman odds, and I am shocked that Travis Hunter doesn't like he's not even showing up in the in the top. There he is. He's got plus six thousand odds right now to win the Heisman. He looks like he's probably about the fifteenth or sixteenth uh, best odds right now. Like I don't care what Colorado's record ends up being, if Travis Hunter is able to go out there week in and week out and produce even close to what he did in that first game for Colorado he's he's got to end up being you know very highly considered for the Heisman at the end of the season I don't know how you couldn't because again it's it's like the Shohei Otani of yeah. college football if you have a guy who's effective on both sides of the ball how can it not be right because you're playing double the positions you're doing double the output and you're 
you're elite on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, this is how non-quarterbacks win Heisman trophies if you're able to do double duty like this and and do it at a high level. Now, I'll be really curious to see. Dion obviously is a guy who did it both ways, and he played multiple sports and the whole thing. So, like, if you're going to have a head coach who's in your corner, that's it. But uh, just at least for week one, for what Travis Hunter would do, did it, it it was uh, it was pretty amazing. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up with that. And you know, Chi Town says you're right. You know, pre seventies it was pretty normal, but it, it is very rare right now. You just don't see guys playing playing uh, playing two ways. Very few and far between that you see it. We're going to wrap it up with that. Tonight, Jesse will have more whiteboard on Thursday's show, and we'll, of course, have plenty more this week as we go on, as we get ready for Notre Dame and North Carolina State. We'll delve more into the Wolfpack on tomorrow's show. Be sure to hit the like button on your way out. We appreciate you being here today. Subscribe, rate, and review as well, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on Aviation Sports Talk. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.